All right, Steve Palmer here again with another episode of Lawyer Talk. Uh, this is our interview series. Happy to provide video finally. Uh, got a great guest here today, Matt Brown. Matt, how you doing? Very good. Good to see you again, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're sort of an Ohio. You're an Ohio guy for sure, but a, a, sort of a Columbus guy now. Yeah. Um, I tell you, there's probably a lot of people, they don't even know you're from Ohio or even what you do. You're a professional fighter. Yeah, yeah. Professional um, fighter. been in the UFC for 11 years now. I think it'll be the, my 11th year. 25 fights. 25 fights? Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's pretty impressive. 25. Now, a boxer, like I've seen boxer records, and 25 would seem like almost a career. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've had 25 in the UFC, and then I don't know how many outside the UFC. I've only kept track of the UFC ones, but um, yeah, 11 years and getting ready to get back in there again. Wow. Well, we're going to get to that, but let's back up for a second. Um, you're from around the Dayton area, right? Sort of, um, in, sort of in between the triangle of Dayton, Columbus, and Cincinnati in a very, very small town no one's ever heard of called Bowersville, Ohio. Um, probably the closest thing that people recognize to it is the Jeffersonville Outlet Malls. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's probably maybe 10 miles from there. So they, they didn't exist when I was a kid, but I remember when they built the first McDonald's there. That was, you know, the, I mean, there was, you know, some uh, uh, like a pilot station or something for truckers, and then they built a McDonald's, and we would ride our bikes. You know, I was like 12 years old or something. I'd ride my bikes that 10-mile stretch just to get a freaking burger, you to know. burger McDonald's? <laughs> yeah. Now, I grew up yeah. in a small town, too, and I remember they added the first McDonald's. It was big news. It's big news, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I imagine you didn't, as a kid, think, my goal is to be a fighter. Or what was your goal? No, I didn't know it existed, really, until I was probably 22, 23 years old before I even seen the first VHS of UFC fighting. Um, when I was a kid... Um, I probably um, wanted to be a vet most of the time or, or work with animals in some regard. Um, that's what I like doing the most. I grew up in you know very country area. We had animals my whole life, and I lo just love being around the animals, and I still do to this day. Um, I was sort of pushed towards being a machinist. That's what my dad did for a living. Um, so I was sort of projected to take over his business. He owned a business. Um, uh, a machine shop. He owned his own machine shop, and that was sort of. I was mechanically inclined. I worked on stuff my whole life, um, and that was sort of where my path was meant to go. Gotcha. And just didn't turn out that way. Well, I mean, we're not going to hold much back here, but you ran into some issues as a kid, or did you get into trouble? Or yeah, so like the the whole machining and working on stuff was just so easy to me. I think I, I just got bored with it. School was very easy for me. I was an honor student up until probably like my junior year and I never did homework. I didn't care about it. I didn't like it. I didn't want to be there, uh, but it just came so easy and I wasn't really challenged the way I probably should have been. I think the schools have done a lot better these days. Like my own kids are in the gifted and talented programs and I see their work and it's challenging for them. It's difficult. Um, the stuff I was in a very, very small school and there just wasn't a challenge for me. And I didn't really fit in like with those kids that were in the honors classes. So, you know, I was kind of left in limbo, I feel like, and just kind of uh, ended up going my own path. And that led to, um, you know, more destructive path. And then, you know, I wasn't really fitting in with the jocks, athletes, whatever. Did you play sports? Did I you? did play some sports um, and I excelled in the sports that I played, but 
again, growing up in that small town, there was a lot of politics involved, right? So there'd be like, like I was way better than the starting guy, but he still gets to start. Oh yeah, the old story, like the, the kid whose dad is the coach yes. all the way through, and yes. then that sort of spills over into the high school sports too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, wrestling was the only thing that, you know, if you win, you get to wrestle. And I didn't actually wrestle very well. Um, my cousin was actually the star wrestler. So that just didn't work out for me. And I just kind of started feeling lost and went towards drugs and alcohol. And and that was uh, sort of the beginning of the downfall. Was, I remember kind of many times I'd be like, at the after school was over, I was like, man, you know, I could go wrestle and sweat with these guys and work out. Or I could go smoke a bong and drink a 40 and maybe get laid or something. Yeah, so, <laughs> but you actually have those memories of, of that kind of conscious decision. Absolutely. See, I think that, that actually shows perhaps um, maybe how capable or, or, or what you really were, because I think there's a lot of people that go that route that don't actually have the wherewithal to say, I'm making a bad decision and I know it. For sure, and I think a lot of it, at least for me, was being in that small town, I mean, I didn't realize how big the world is. I didn't, you know, I was in a bubble, man. Like I had no idea that there was, you know, a Olymp like Olympics were a, a possible thing for a, a small town kid like me or, you know, UFC or, you yeah. know, any, anything uh, of greatness. Yeah, who grows up in a small town thinking, I'm gonna be on TV, yeah. uh, or world, world TV, really fighting. I mean, yeah. who, who thinks that's gonna happen to you? Exactly, exactly. and. That was, uh, I think that was probably the biggest factor that played into it. Like I wasn't taught, um, but you know, I have very traditional conservative parents, you know, and they didn't teach me like, you can be great. You know, they said, well, this is your path. This is what this we is did. What this do. is what you're going to do. Um, and, and feeling very trapped like that made me feel very isolated too. So that, you know, you start turning towards, um, uh, an escape, right. I was a rebel. I was a, uh, you know, I just wanted to push the boundaries of everything, right? And and I still do that to this day. Like I, I just push it in a positive direction, right? Right. But I've always been a, the one to take a chance, take a risk, and and that wasn't what my life was meant to be from well, those people. I, I think yeah, that's another great. You made actually two good points. I made on both of them. I mean, the first one is schools back then they didn't really understand. Uh, uh, some of the issues you're describing, somebody who's got maybe a really high IQ or somebody who's really capable or, or, or you could, you had all the potential to be a great student, mm -hmm. but didn't necessarily have the interest or uh, the motivation, or maybe it was too easy, whatever it was. And a lot of people today, they're going to call that ADHD or ADD and yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll get that, programs yeah. for that. But back then they just shoved you into a different room and said, you go hang out here. And yeah. uh, that's <laughs> that, right? You quit yeah, disrupting. And a lot of us also like the, like the schools, they're, they're not designed for people like me. Uh, you know, I'm a high performing guy, you know, not saying that arrogantly, but you know, I need a different direction. Like I need a different stimulus. I can't just be told like, here's your homework, go do it. Yeah. You know, you, like, you have to stimulate me like, well, like, cause I even tried a semester of college, um, online college. And like when I was, I don't know, as soon as internet came around, so like 24, 25 or something, and I, w I was constantly just like, why am I doing this? And the teachers wouldn't give me a good answer. So it, it gave it made it very complicated in my own mind, you know, just looking back and, you know, in retrospect, I can kind of examine it in a different way and say like, 
my mind just couldn't comprehend where this was going. Whereas uh, um, that's why I always really liked athletics and I think I liked building stuff, right? Because I can see the final product where yeah, it's you, going. You, it's very tangible. You, you put your energy towards something and something exists as a result of yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and, and the other point I wanted to make really quickly is this, is that you, you said that some of your drive for life, so to speak, either has led you in really bad directions or other very successful directions. Mm -hmm. And I think if you actually were to break down maybe some of the most successful people on the planet, they're probably very similar, right? I mean, they're yeah. probably people who have been outside the envelope a little bit, outside the, the normal, uh, I guess, quote, normal uh, existence, and then do it their own way. Now, that can lead to really bad places or really successful places. And a lot of times both. And a lot of times both in yeah. the same context. Yeah, um, I think that's a great point. There's, um, I, th I do think the schools are, and the systems, so to speak, are, are recognizing it more and more. We're all wired different ways. We all have greatness within us somewhere. It's just a matter of finding it and channeling it in the, the proper direction. Well, and, and before we get to your greatness, because you've had, you've had lots of greatness. Um, you had lots of other bad stuff, though. You started to talk about the direction you're going with drugs and alcohol and consciously making decisions to go in the wrong direction. Um, did you ever find yourself in juvenile court or other kind of trouble? Yeah. Um, I never went to juvie, um, but I was in court a few times and very close. Um, you know, my dad was able to bail me out of the situation. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, he, obviously you're not blaming your parents for any of this, right? I mean, you, you, no, you, 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 um, I think they they probably there's no operating manual for being a parent, right? Sure. We all fuck it up really bad, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, our parents' generation um, was a different, uh, um, you know, just a different paradigm altogether, right? You know, like the way they did things were, you know, at least my parents were. You, you do it wrong, like I'm whooping your ass. Yeah, this is how it is. Don't tell me anything. Really <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, and you know, my dad. He bailed me out a few times, uh, mainly because he was a um, maybe a, a pillar of the community, right? And it was, uh, you know, he he was in a very small community, but it was, you know, he was in the um, uh, what do you call it, the chamber of commerce or yeah. or the congress or whatever they call for the, I don't even know the what they council call it. or town the council, yeah, yeah, town council. That's what I'm looking for. Um, you know, I think he ran for mayor a couple times, like he was the head of the little league. You know, what I mean, so he was a prominent figure in our small little bubble and he couldn't have me running around destroying his, his yeah there's a reflection boy. on him in some way absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. and you know and, and and i did some really bad things that were you know newspapers and things that you know i wouldn't even discuss uh, uh here um you know things that you know could really ruin his image so right. you know he was like hey i'm i'm gonna bail you out but you know i got punished severely for it too did you, at some point, you left home or at some point- uh, I got kicked out of home. You got kicked out of home? <laughs> yeah. well, how old were you? Um, the first time, I think I was 16. The first time you got kicked out? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, my dad, you know, he gave me a lot of chances. I, I don't know how many times I came back, you know, because when you're 16, you think, uh, kick me out, whatever, I'll go figure it out. Right. Fuck then you yeah. realize you got to buy like laundry detergent, your own <laughs> yeah. clothing. Uh, you know, you, you got to live somehow. Yeah. yeah it's not yeah. so easy. And then- I'd say the last time was probably when I was 18 and he was like, well, now I don't have to let you back, buddy. So that was it. Yeah. Um, 
Well, uh, you've, you've told me this story before, but it's, it's fascinating to me. How, uh, uh, fighting, how's that happen? Did, were, you a, were you a street fighter as a kid? Did you always know you wanted to be a fighter? How's that go down? Certainly got in my street fights as a kid. Um, you know, they're up and downs. Um, I'm not one of those guys like, I never lost a street fight. I mean, I absolutely got my ass kicked a few times in the streets. Well, I think anybody who denies that is probably not being completely honest. Or either, they didn't get in a lot of street fights. They didn't get a lot of fights, right. <laughs> right. There's always somebody tougher. Yeah. Um, so the first one, yeah, you know, I was, uh, I was, I went to a fight. My, it was when I first heard about the UFC and, and you know, I was watching the VHSs of Tank Abbott and, and Vitor and, you know, these old school guys. And we go to this fight. My friend, his name is Fat Joe, was supposed to be fighting. Uh, he's supposed to be fighting Wes Sims, actually, I think. Um, well, Wes decided not to show up, which... It's just, you know, I don't know why, but... Now, this is back in the common. days, like the early days of yeah. UFC. I mean, it was like the Wild West, man. It was like... Yeah, so, yeah we didn't have a commission. And, yeah, we didn't yeah. have a commission or anything. So, you know, I'm there at this fight, and I'm all coked up and... Like coked up? Yeah, yeah, like on blow, like, I, you know, just having a good time. Just, you know, I'm there just You're watching there the fights. Party and watch your buddies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I was there to watch him fight. And then I had another friend that was supposed to fight, too. I think his guy didn't show up, whatever. Um, now, where was this? Uh, Chillicothe. Right. It was either a Moose Lodge or an Elks Lodge. Uh, Chillicothe, Ohio, just south of Columbus. Yeah. About, what, an hour and 20 minutes or so? Yeah, a little hillbilly town down there. And, you know, it was, re it was really exactly what you would see on uh, a movie. I mean, there's guys sitting around smoking cigars, uh, betting on the fights. And, um, I mean, it's really the Wild West. Um, you know, and they'd had a couple of... I guess you call them like prelim fights or whatever. And it's just, so they were guys doing like grappling and um, some kickboxing, different things. Now, um, at this point, had you had any, I mean, you said you tinkered with wrestling a little bit, I think, but had you had any training as a fighter? No, like boxing we did, in a gym? Were you doing anything at all? No, nothing. You know, we did, I did like some backyard uh, stuff. Like we'd be in the grass in the backyard and we'd put on boxing gloves and stuff, but nothing of relevance. Um, you know, no, formal training whatsoever we just talked about it all the time yeah right like we knew what we were doing well i take that back you know once i, I actually that wouldn't count either but I was, <laughs> so i did have a ken shamrock dvd and i remember like i used to get real drunk and me and my buddies would sit there and practice the moves just oh, okay. you know we just didn't know what to do so we're just instead of sitting around on the couch drinking but hey man let's practice these moves and yeah so i learned some things there i guess Probably doesn't count though, um, but I, like I was that guy, um, you know. At the at every time we'd party, like I'm trying to find someone to fight, really, and not necessarily being a redneck about it and being violent. I'd just be like, "Hey, man, like let's let's go put on the boxing gloves, bro." Or, so you're not talking like just going to kick somebody's ass. You're just no. saying, "Let's go, let's let's put on the gloves and yeah, see like, what we let's got. go fight." Yeah, you know, most people aren't really about that. So eventually, I would have to kind of. Amp, amp up the uh, stakes a little bit and be like, all right, well, if you don't want to fight, you know, and push the guy. Now you have to. Yeah, now yeah. you got to fight, buddy. Um, you know, especially if there's girls around, and you're like, look, now you got to fight, buddy. Yeah, like, now you're in it. Yeah, you know, or hit on their girlfriend or something, just try to start something. Uh, but I never meant it like maliciously. I was just like, I just want to fight. And then sometimes I couldn't find a fight and I'd just go for a run or something. You know, I just had this energy, man. I was just. You know, it's just who I was. I just had this energy. I just wanted to get it out. You know, I was very aggressive and uh, just wanted to get it out, man. And.
Well, take us to Chile. What what happens in Chillicothe? Yeah, so again, you know, I was really coked up, and they did um, literally what you'd see in a movie. The, the announcer stands up, and he's like, who wants to fight the champion? And they raised, they had this guy up in the cage. He's pretty ripped up, and um, I still remember his name to this day. It was Dusty Keplinger. Um, and he was, I didn't know at the time, but he was going pro in his next fight. Dusty so, Keplinger? Keplinger, yeah. Okay. He was supposed to be going uh, pro in his next fight. Um, but at the time, you know, I think I just went to the restroom, hit a line. I was like, oh, I'll fight that motherfucker. Let's go. <laughs> and um, yeah, they're like, all right, well, here you go. You know, you go, you got to have, you have a mouthpiece and a cup. And I, I ran across the street. There was a little sports shop over there and got a mouthpiece. There was a restaurant across the street, uh, use their uh, microwave and a bowl of water to boil and bite the mouthpiece. Uh, brought it back. My one friend that didn't fight, uh, Fat Joe, he let me borrow his cup. Like I still remember this day. Like, I mean, he's a big guy. So his jock strap, like we had to like tie it up and it was like just way too big for me. Um, and I was wearing, I think like jean shorts. Yeah. Went so, in there and, and this guy. Hold on a second. Cause here's yeah. what we're going to do. Um, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to hear about the fight, but uh, to sort of set the scene here, there you are in Chillicothe. You went down there to do nothing except for party mm -hmm. and watch your buddy maybe fight. Yeah, and I wanted to see, that was the first time I'd ever seen a cage fight. So I wanted to see what this is what about. What it looked like in real life. Yeah, right? I, I'd never even seen it on the VHSs before. I mean, we had, I don't think, maybe I did, but, um, you know, we had the VHSs, but I, like I didn't have like a VHS player. Um, so yeah, I guess I had seen them, but I, yeah, I'd never seen it in real life before in person. And you strap on or you walk across the street, buy a brand new mouthpiece, get it molded, buy, uh, what else did you say you had to buy? A jock strap. A jock strap. You borrow a jock strap yeah. from a buddy. From big, and you're big taking, guy. it's like, who's going to, you're taking challenges, they're taking challenges and you say, I'm your guy. Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to hear that story and lots more when we come back from our break. All right, back from the break. Uh, here again, uh, Lawyer Talk with Matt Brown. Uh, so when we when we took our break, you had set the scene here for us. You're wearing your buddy's jock strap. You had to run across the street in Chillicothe, find yourself a mouthpiece. Uh, you're decked out in the best fighting gear, cargo shorts or jean shorts. And uh, they say, we'll take anybody who wants to come up and you say, I'm your guy. And don't forget the line of blow. And you're geeked up on cocaine yeah. all, all the way through. That's the important so. part, right? That's, you know, uh, powdered courage, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so you got your powdered courage. You got your new uniform ready to fight. Yeah, what, ready what to go. Happens, so um, I go in there. We fight. Um, so wait. I th yeah, so originally, yeah, Dusty Keplinger was the champion, right, that they were promoting to fight. But they ended up matching me up against a different guy. And this guy was, uh, you know, I'm sitting in the back and, uh, you know, my guys are telling me kind of the backstory on him. And they're like, you know, he's a tough man champion. I'd like you need to take him down. So I remember the Ohio Tough Man competitions where it'd just be yeah. like this. They'd, they'd give you gloves, I think, but then you would just go brawl in the ring and exactly one minute rounds, guns. three yeah. one minute rounds. Like the winner of the tournament gets a thousand dollars or some bullshit. Um, yeah, so he was a, the this supposedly the champion of that, and um, yeah, so we got there and fight. And this guy, I'm expecting you know wild brawl. I'm expecting. We're going to really throw down. He comes out and shoots out, shoots a double leg on me straight away. Like so a wrestling I, move. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, grabs my legs, try to take me down. Um, so I do a playground, school schoolyard choke, guillotine. You know, I, that's what I would call it today. Back then, I just called it squeezing his head hard as I could. Yeah. I squeezed his head hard as I could, and he tapped out. That was it? Yeah. I mean, it was 
probably one minute into the fight. So yeah. what's that? I mean, I imagine the elation then. Yeah, well, I mean, I just, I kind of just got up like, oh, I'm a fucking hard ass. Yeah, like, you know, and, and then later, so, you know, th that went pretty quick. And then they said, you know, go to the back and they're like, hey, man, you want to fight again? Like and the same day? Yeah, they're like, you know, the Dusty, the, the you know, the, you know, he's got a, um, you know, he doesn't have an opponent, you know, no one, you know, one ended up getting no one to fight him or whatever. So um, I don't remember all the details, how it, how it all worked out, but ended up fighting him. And uh, yeah, he beat the shit out of me. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, he beat the hell out of me. Now you go into um, that ring, tell me what you're, I mean, do you remember what you're thinking? It's like, you're going in, into the ring, yeah. you're just like, I guess I'm here. I gotta be honest, I don't remember all the details of what I was thinking. Um, it must've been something really stupid. But, um, you know, he beat the hell out of me, but he couldn't knock me out. And I remember talking to him after and he's like, dude, he's like, I don't know. He's like, I was trying to kill you. You know, and he's like, you must have a hard head. He's like, you're the toughest son of a bitch I ever fought. So it didn't really get me down. You know, I, I was like, enough. I come to find out later, I said he, he was going pro in his next bout. You know, that was kind of a, 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 a tune up night or whatever, you know, just a showcase for him that night. So to me, I was like, well, I just hung in there with a, a professional, you know, this dude's a, one of the baddest dudes around. Like, you know, and I hung in and I was like, I just need a couple weeks training and, you know, and I'll come back and fuck him up. Well, I, you know, I did that. Uh, so things sort of, at this point, it just sort of made the decision, look, this maybe is going to be a career choice or I'm going to No, at that point, I mean, I thought I was doing it the right way. I was like, dude, I do some cocaine and just show up and fight and, you know, I'm going to fuck some people up. Yeah, I was like, this ain't that hard. Like, this is natural. Um, so I actually did that, um, not not exactly that way, but a, a couple of times more. And then finally, I ended up fighting uh, uh, the first time that they actually like someone called me ahead of time to fight, and and they called me to fight a a guy. They they told me it was a Muay Thai match. So so this was yeah. So I rewind a little bit. So I actually went to a gym, you know, um, and literally the second day I was in the gym. Um, yeah, again, someone called me and said, hey, we want you to fight. And, uh, and they said it's a Muay Thai match. Um, it's over in Bell Fountain. And Muay Thai is uh, like a, a boxing, kickboxing. Uh, kickboxing yeah. with knees and elbows. Okay. Um, and, and so I met my uh, a friend of mine, Dorian Price, who's still my coach to this day. Uh, met him. Uh, he was the one that got me to that gym. Now... So now I have two weeks to train for this fight. So you have two weeks to learn Muay Thai. I mean, or is yeah, that a, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So Dorian starts teaching me some Muay Thai stuff. Um, you know, I go over to that fight, come to find out, I didn't know it. So <laughs> it's kind of funny. So we got out there, you know, and um, the dude comes in. The first thing he does is he double legs me, takes me down. You know, and I looked over at the ref. I was like, wait a minute. I thought yeah, we were doing Muay Thai. I mean, we're in boxing gloves, shin guards, you know, I was like, wait, I, like, I didn't know that's part of Muay Thai. Like, okay, you know, so it comes out, double legs me again, right? And I'm looking at the ref like, like, what are we doing, right? So I said, okay, well, I guess we're wrestling. Like, not a single punch has been thrown in. So I come out the third time, you know, and I just drop my hands. Like, okay, we're wrestling. And he fucking kicks me in my head. And I was like, what are we doing? Well, anyway, he proceeded to beat the hell out of me for uh, a few rounds. Uh, again, didn't knock me out. Um, I had a third shift job at the time. I still remember going to that third shift job with like two black eyes, bloody lips. Like just, after the fight. Yeah, after the fight. Just busted all to hell, man. 
And that was when I decided I needed to get to a gym. But come to find out later, it was actually a sand chow fight. The kid was nine and three. Like they completely just set me up. Um, you know, just one of those things, right? Um, you know, it's, a, it's a not an uncommon thing in combat sports, right? They, they'll find someone that's willing to fight and, you know, they'll put the skilled guy in there against them. Just right? to give him tune up or do whatever. Yeah, just to get, you know, to pad his record. And But it sounds like that was at least a turning point where maybe you're thinking, all right, I got to get a little more serious. Yeah, so that's this. when I realized, because I've been to the gym probably maybe two times, you know, and that was, it, it wasn't like I was training at the gym. You know, I was going there like, you know, like I'm a hard ass, you're a hard ass. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, just meatheads, right. Going without a plan. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but that was the first time I, I felt like I really like seen real technique and uh, a guy that had a strategy, you know, you know, in, in terms of um, him taking me down and in terms of um, setting me up for things. And I started feeling like, you know, I was uh, in, in within, during the fight, I could feel actual setups happening. I was like, you know, there's a lot more to this than I realized. Um, but again, that was the second time that I got the shit beat out of me by a guy way better than me and I survived it. Right. So, I thought, okay. So in the loss, you found a little bit of confidence for sure. Yeah. 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 yeah you know, and, and, and again, I mean, um, it was easy to justify it in my head. I was like, you know, I was set up basically both times. Right. Um, but I thought, you know, I don't want to be that guy either to just go in there and be getting beat up. So um, I want to start learning stuff. So I started working with Dorian. And again, you know, I still work with him to this day. He's my main coach. Um, At some point, the curve sort of cross on drug and alcohol use versus I got to get serious about this. Yeah. So first, and that's when I decided I was going to pursue MMA was right then and, and not uh, kickboxing. Uh, Dorian has always pursued kickboxing um he crossed over to mma for a little bit got on the ultimate fighter and um fought in the ufc once and but his path was muay thai my path was going to be mma um so i took a fight and basically what happened back the, the, in my head back then was i was gonna quit doing drugs and alcohol for like three weeks okay and then that's my training camp and then i go fight um, so I quit for three weeks for this first fight. And, and now, um, you know, I, I'm getting prepared for it. I invite my friends, my family, it's down at the LC pavilion. Um, and that was the first time I was sober doing it. The first time I, I, you know, I did a, uh, what I called a camp, you know, three week camp. Um, I go in there and it was the scariest thing I'd ever experienced in my life. When I did it before I was drugged up. And I didn't know what I was getting into. I was completely ignorant of, of what the real deal was. This time I'm sober. I know what's going on. I, like I have to think about this shit all day long. The day of the fight, I'm thinking about the day before, like I have to make weight, like it's all this professional shit. I think, you know, this was around when the athletic commission started um, sanctioning everything. And now it's real. Well, and there's some there's some physiological and, and actually a good explanation for that too. It's like when you stop using drugs and alcohol, for a certain period of time, it's like the, the black and white turns off and the color turns on. Yes. All of a sudden. It's like all of a sudden the world is crisp and clear and it can be scary. It was so scary. Yeah. And, and and that was, I remember standing backstage getting ready for the fight. We, we wear six, uh, uh, I think they maybe gave, maybe gave us eight ounce gloves for that one, but generally four or six ounce gloves for fights, um, which is a very small glove. Um, boxers wear uh, 10, 12 ounces usually. Uh, sparring, you wear 16 ounces um, or 18. 
And I remember like not being able to lift my hands up. I'm standing backstage like this and I'm like, dude, my hands are so heavy. I was like, why can't, how am I going to fight? I can't lift my motherfucking hands. Like, what am I doing here? And then I'm looking over across, if you know the LC, like I'm yeah. on one side of stage, he's on the other side of stage. We're both warming up. I'm looking over at him. And, you know, at this point, I mean, he just looks like a killer, you know, like, I mean, he could be the biggest dork ever, but he's a, a, a fucking world. Like in your class. head, you've got this. Yeah, I just, yeah, he's a monster over there, you know. And I'm like, dude, like, this is nothing like what I expected. Like, this is the worst thing ever. My dad's out there. My, you know, my mom's here. My, my fucking friends and family, like, they have expectations now, you know. Uh, before it was just fun. I'm just going out well, there. I mean, you had set expectations for yourself, too. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. it's like, I'm going to make a decision and I'm going to do something other than what I've been doing. And now all of a sudden it's real. It's real, man. And now yeah. I got to look at this guy. Um, and then uh, Mark Coleman was there, too. The um, grandfather of ground and pound, the first UFC heavyweight champion. He's there. Um, and, and that didn't make me make it feel any better. He, he gave us a speech in the back. Uh, me and him are good friends now, but. I still remember that speech, man. I was just scared out of my fucking mind. I was like, because he's just ripped. I mean, he's jacked. He's 240 pounds. And I was like, man, like, that's what you got to be like to do this shit. Like, I'm like, yeah, right. I'm not like him. <laughs> right? like, like, again, it, it's all just real now, you know? Um, I remember, like, the day of the fight leading up to it, man, just scared out of my fucking mind all day. I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is ridiculous. Um, but then that bell rang, man, and... You know, we had a good fight. I beat him pretty quickly. Um, so how about and, that, right? I mean, you had built this guy up to be this menacing force because uh, I think of your own expectations of yourself, mm -hmm. and then you beat him. Yeah, I, I beat his ass, beat him pretty good. Um, you know, it, was a, it wasn't that long of a fight, and uh, but the experience really woke me up. And I realized, okay, that was when I finally kind of turned the corner, and I was like, okay, I can do this but I don't want to be scared like that again. You know, like I better go train. So your remedy for shit. fear was preparation. Yeah. Which uh, is really, initially. I mean, it's like that in anything in life, right? Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure for the most part, yeah. Um, but that, that, that was, you know, that was what sparked me. Um, so you look back on that maybe as the moment that, all right. Well, actually, let me ask you this. What happened with the drugs and alcohol after that? You said three weeks. Uh, did it, when did it, when, when did you leave that behind and say, I'm going a different direction. Well, I had uh, about, I, I don't remember exactly, somewhere around 13, 14 amateur fights. Um, just traveling around, just fighting anytime you could. Uh, back then, you could fight. I knew some guys that would fight Friday, Saturday, you know, on different shows. Um, you know, so, so you could get away with a lot. I would just go around and fight whenever I could. Um, so I, I would usually... It, was, it wasn't so much like I put it in my head, like I'm going to stop doing drugs and alcohol. Um, but the fact that I just started getting in the gym all the time, I started training all the time. I loved doing it. I loved it more than going to the bar and I'd wear myself out. I'd be tired at the end of the day and I wouldn't feel like doing it. Uh, you know, I wouldn't feel like going out and drinking and everything. Um, I was still doing it occasionally, but it sort of just started phasing its way out. It wasn't even really a conscious decision until... Uh, I went pro and then, you know, now there's something on the line now is, um, you know, now it was your livelihood. Yeah. Well now, now there's a real chance of doing something with it. Right. And, and now that I'm, I'm going pro, you know, I, I know that, you know, that we're stepping up the game. Um, you know, there's some serious guys out there, um, 
and it was probably about a year into it and the drinking and and uh, coke and all that had really phased out um well it's inconsistent with what you're trying to do exactly like on every level exactly and, and it really again it, it wasn't a conscious decision it wasn't one day like i'm gonna stop this but it was just kind of falling off little by little and um well let me and, ask you this where do you what direction have you pondered what direction you think things would have gone for you uh if you didn't find this as a career or a life choice hmm. i haven't thought about it too much but I can't imagine anything good. Yeah. Um, is it, it, I understand the fighting arts or the martial arts or what you do. It's, it's more than just beating people up. I mean, there's a mental uh, meditative component to it as well. Mm -hmm. Do you get into that side of it? Mm -hmm. I do tons of mental training, do meditation. Um, you almost have to, man. Again, like, like, I mean, when you're fighting in front of millions of people, every, you know, there's a high expectation like we're like I'm talking about there. And there's um, a lot of pressure on your shoulders. Uh, like my kids come watch my fights now, you know, like if I don't do some things to relax and not think about that, then it'll get the best of you. I think every time um, you said something that sort of ventures into my line of work, which is helping people. And, and I love helping kids who have gotten themselves in trouble mm -hmm. and it's fascinating to me because what you said is there was not necessarily a conscious choice that you made, like I'm done with this lifestyle of drugs and alcohol and partying, but you slowly replaced it with something else that had a very positive impact mm -hmm. on your life, even though it was something like fighting. Yeah. Um, and I wonder in today's day and age if uh, that kind of training or that kind of discipline or that, getting kids in your gym, for instance, uh, have you seen a, an impact on kids that come and work out with you? Absolutely. And, and I believe that very strongly that... Um, you know, we, we all just have this energy within us and it can be channeled in multiple directions. Um, if it's not channeled towards something um, that you have a, a strong emotional attachment to, then it's going to go to the dumpster. I'm going to I'm going to shift back to your uh, your career and the future in a second. But before we get there, I want to follow this up a little bit because you have your own, I guess, just for everybody's uh, information, you have your own gym right here in Columbus now. Mm -hmm. And you're, what kind of work happens? Is it training, fighting? Is it uh, just fitness? What goes on? Uh, yeah, we do a little bit of everything. What's um, it called? Uh, Immortal Martial Arts Center. And we do a little bit of everything, um, you know, uh, mainly martial arts, um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, submission grappling, and um, uh, Muay Thai and boxing are primary. Um, those are our primary arts that we focus on. Um, and, and that's, you know, given we talk about the energy, I mean, that's just where our energy is directed towards in, uh, you know, that's what we promote, uh, even though there's a heavy fitness component to that. There's a, a, a lot of camaraderie that goes along with that. There's a, you know, a lot of different pieces, but. Well, we were uh, talking before a little bit about this off the air and, uh, it was interesting to me to hear that you have classes for kids of, I mean, I think as young as eight, you said? No, as young as th really three. As young as three? Even though, like, we advertise it as four, like, we accept three-year-olds, too. So My daughter's three. She does a class. Is there a concern among parents, among those you encounter, about, hey, you're teaching my kids how to fight. This isn't good. And what's your response to that? Um, there's always, uh, uh, we get that a lot. Um, first off, we teach our kids to survive first. That's what the um, beginning of every program is. And there's a progression that goes along with it. So that at the beginning, anytime we take kid in, the first thing he learns is how to survive. It's not how to do any offense whatsoever. 
And that's really, uh, even uh, white belts or, or, or guys that come in the gym their first day, if you want to be a competitor, right? And uh, say I'm a, I'm a mold, a competitor into a world champion. The first thing I'm going to teach you is how to survive, right? You're not going to have confidence in an offensive position unless you know how to survive the worst position, right? So, if it, and what, what I mean by that is, you know, how, how can you be confident to do something offensive when, you know, the, the, when you, when you get into competition, the chances of a offensive technique are very slim. So you, you have to constantly be doing offense, 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 and the chances of you missing that offense and ending up having to defend something are very high. So we always put a focus first on defense. Yeah. Defense wins the fight, I guess. Yeah. Of, defense yeah. wins championships, right? That's the yeah. old football saying. And it's the same thing for us. I mean, to have a offensive confidence, you have to have the defensive confidence first. So no, so we want your kid, no matter what terrible situation he's in, he has a confidence that he can get out of it. And what I try to promote to them is, uh, or what I do promote to them is learning how to logically assess the situation and take the emotions out of it. And I think it carries over into life too, is, uh, is we, we take out the emotion of the situation and there's a logical sequence to getting to a better position no matter uh, how bad of a position that you're in, right? So if someone's sitting on top of you, punching you, right? There's a there's a logical way to create mechanical leverage to push him off and get up to your feet so that you can, uh, um, you know, get to the next, and, and next let me, thing. Let me, let me sort of bring that back to my world again, because I, I deal with kids all the time who get in trouble and I try to help them. And, and you do too, I think, in your yeah. gym, you're probably, we're probably doing the same thing on different sides of the Absolutely. equation. Absolutely. And I've got this, I have this firm belief that if we, particularly as young boys, are comfortable knowing that we can defend ourselves in some way, shape or form, we're less likely to act out and try to prove it. I believe that. And I think I do believe in energy that we put out every day to, to the world, to others. And if you're putting out an energy that you're not afraid, not, and I'm not talking about being aggressive or being uh, the kid who's the bully who picking on other kids, because I don't think that's what you're teaching at all. Not at all. No. Nor do I believe the, the people who are bullies actually learn this skill. Um, I think there's an energy that we put out that protects kids from being bullied because they just know and they, they mm -hmm. act like they know. And they're the, not going to be picked on. And that's one of the first things I usually tell a parent when they do have those concerns. I, I tell them, look, predators are looking for prey. They're not, you know, they're, they're not looking like lions are looking for sheep. They don't want to go fight other lions. Yeah. Um, what a great point. Well, we're going to take uh, another break and we'll be back. And uh, I want to follow up a little bit on uh, what's going on with your career now. Uh, I'd love to hear about your, your thoughts on your biggest fight ever and how that went. And uh, then we'll wrap it up. All right. Back from break. Uh, Matt, I, I promised everybody I was going to go and, and talk about your career and your biggest fight. But just while we were taking a break, you mentioned something I think we just got to follow up on. You said something about seeing a, a young kid uh, with his or her head down, scared, first walk into your gym. Uh, why don't you t just tell us what, what you just told me about that, because it's fascinating stuff. Yeah, it just really brings me up, motivates me, inspires me, and, and feels so well, so good just to see these kids getting, they, they walk in day one, and maybe their head's down, their self-esteem's low, they're scared, maybe they got bullied in school, different things, and then, um, you know, a month or two later, these kids are powerful, man. They're strong, or, and sometimes it, it happens that quick, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter, but, you know, they, they feel uh, completely different. And I talk about this a lot with the, with the um, 
parents and you know what we were just talking about like prey versus predator right um a lot of times the predators are uh, I, I call it the force versus power right the they're they're trying to force something the bullies right that's what they're trying to do they're forceful um and but they don't want to go against someone with power right and there's a difference there where where force always gets a a reaction power doesn't always get a reaction you can feel when someone walks in the room powerful right you don't necessarily feel that when someone's trying to force it and you can see that with politicians i think is a very common thing that we see where they're really trying to force something on you and you're just like dude i'm not getting it man i don't feel it that's but, so true but there's speakers that are powerful and it doesn't matter what they say and and they just really uh, uh resonate within you no matter what and that's what I want to try to teach the kids to be like, don't try to force anything. You need to be a powerful kid. You walk around with power. And that's why we call it the warrior kid program is that's what a warrior is, is someone powerful. It's such a, you know, how insightful that is. Uh, it really, I almost can't describe it. I remember as a kid and you're a mechanical guy, your dad had a machine mm -hmm. shop. And I remember a lesson or dare I call it a lesson. I remember my dad maybe not yelling, but coming down on me all the time, whether I was trying to turn a, a bolt on my bike or whether I was trying to do something else and it wasn't working, he had the same uh, comment almost every time. Don't force it. And then when you realize it's just about leverage or it's just about a little something else, maybe it's not threaded right, or maybe you just need to fix something and then it's easy. Mm -hmm. um, and that's sort of that power, right? You still, Absolutely. Uh, and it's it's true when I when I talk to, uh, to juries or I am, talking to uh, to anybody about their problem, if you just cram something down somebody's throat, it, it rarely works. You have to find uh, the common ground and then uh, and then discuss it there. And, yes. and that's sort of like using force, I suppose, in a positive way, as opposed to just trying to cram something down somebody's throat. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, um, boy, I could go on pretty deep into that. <laughs> maybe not too yeah, much. Maybe but, next time. Maybe. But there's... Uh, you know, the, there's there's a lot to be said with that because that's that's exactly what um, jujitsu submission grappling is all about. Right? Um, the the forceful guy gets so far. It, you'd be stronger than hell. You can be athletic. Just you know, all these have the, the greatest qualities in the world. But then you take a guy um, like a Damian Maya, right? Who's, who's just a, a powerful guy on the ground. You know, and that's what jujitsu is really all about. And that's what combat sports is really about, is how, how to take that energy and use it in a powerful manner and not a forceful manner. You, you told me something last time we talked too that, that resonated with me a lot. You, you said, look, we all, meaning you professional fighters, um, have a certain skill set, right? You understand the grappling, you understand the striking, you understand mm -hmm. all these arts. And then it's about how they get implemented in the mental side of it. And, uh, and it's far more deep and complex than I think most people realize. Yeah. Well, when you're putting your life on the line and you're, you have the potential of humiliation in front of millions of people, it takes a, a certain mindset to deal with that properly. Again, you know, my kids come to my fights and they watch. You know, to, and, and they have expectations. You know, they're eight-year-old twin boys. You know, like they're... You know, they watch a lot of WWE and stuff, right? They have an expectation. They're like, you're going to go out there and get the belt, right? Like, that's, that's all they're thinking about. And well, well, look, man, let me let me just throw you a bone here because I've heard this now like four times from you. Um, your kids are watching now. Your kids are watching now. Your kids are watching mm -hmm. now. Obviously, you have a huge commitment 
to being a father mm -hmm. uh, to your children. And I think that that's, you know, I'm a father too, and it's a huge motivating force in my life uh, to be an example for your kids. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I that's think it. it's, it's just amazing to me how much our lives can switch once that, once that becomes part of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and what I really try to get through to them is how to be a sportsman and, and not just a winner. Yeah, not to, this is this is my jackass rule, right? I don't care if you're winning or losing. If you're acting like a jackass, you're still a jackass. That's it. That's right? it, right? Yeah, you're still and a jackass. And I try to promote to them, um, you know, it, it's it's a tough balance, though, right? Because ultimately, I mean, the winners are the ones remembered, yeah. right? The the winners are the ones that write the history. Right? And, and no one gives a shit about the loser, so you don't want to be a fucking loser either. Yeah, you know, but, but I but guess when you have you to do, define what winning and losing is, right? And then you can you can win. You, yeah. Now, now, certain society has a definition for winning, and that's certainly important. But you can't just say I'm going to go be a winner in the ring, or I can't just say I'm going to go be a winner in a courtroom. Uh, I have to define my battles incrementally until I can. True. Yeah, that, that's certainly one way to look at it. You know, I the way that I try to describe it to my kids, I I, I, look, I tell them. Um, like they do these uh, tournaments and stuff now and they, they play all the baseball and football and all that. And it's a little bit harder to describe when you talk about the team sports because team sports are just, I don't know, to me it's just ridiculous. But Yeah, well, you're talking to a team sportsman, but I get yeah. it. Right? <laughs> well, it's a fun game, right? That, but that's about it to me. But when when they do like a tournament, I, I try, or when I do a fight, and this is what I try to promote to all my fighters too, is like what, what this is, what a fight is. See, I'm a martial artist for life. This is... This isn't, it doesn't begin and end with a fight. That's my goal isn't about the fight. What the fight is, is a picture in time of where I'm at throughout my journey. That's just the, uh, you know, you're just, uh, you're just walking along a pathway of windows. You're just open the window and that's where I'm at right there. And then we move on to the next one. So it's, it's not, that's not the end right there. What an interesting way to look at it, right? Because that prevents you from going back and wallowing on the, on the defeats, but it makes you move forward. To exactly. The next thing, right. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, it, and it keeps me remembering that, you know, success is not a, a finite thing and and uh, uh, failure is not an infinite thing. Yeah. It's in fact, both are sort of fleeting. Right. Unless exactly. you unless you unless well, you well, failure is it. only, you know, until you accept it, then it's not failure. Right. That's a that's only failure is an internal thing, not an external thing. Um, now, people are obviously going to put that on you. Oh, you failed. You didn't do it. But Well, that's a huge part of your yeah. world, right? Because I Absolutely. think, you know, even the greatest fighters, you know, I grew up in an era watching Muhammad Ali fight. You know, even he lost. Mm -hmm. um, and I can't, there's only a few ever un, undefeated. Um, well, and even the, even those that, that were undefeated, I mean, Floyd and uh, Rocky are really the only two. Yeah. Um, I mean, Floyd wasn't fighting like Sugar Ray Robinson was every week, fighting the same guy five times. That's why Sugar Ray was undefeated, right? They, they say the, the only guarantee, if you live in the arena, uh, the only guarantee is you're going to get your ass kicked. Well, Floyd just happens to be a, uh, a master at choosing the right time, right place. Um, he's, that's why I always say he's the most successful sportsman in the history, not the best. Yeah, Period. well, and, and I think, you know, using different comparisons, um, the people who have it all together from a business standpoint, from the art that they're engaging in, whether it's, you know, football, uh, fighting or golf or whatever it is, it's like you have to have all that come together and not be injured at the same time, right? It's like all those things <laughs> yeah, sort of have to, you have too, to have like yeah. the, the sense, the work ethic, the, <clears throat> the natural skill, 
and then a little bit of luck because you didn't get injured. Or yeah, maybe there's that's a luck. And then but again, that's that's why Floyd is the master. I mean, he's been injured many times, but he waits for the right time. And then he sees his opponents. He waits for the right time for them. And that doesn't necessarily mean out of their prime either. I mean, he does his research. He, he knows where they're at in their lives, what's going on. He put, Canelo, for instance, I think was probably uh, one of his best wins, right? Canelo's now, I think, number two pound for pound, maybe number three. Um, at the time, Canelo was like a 20-year-old star, you know, but, but he wasn't really a star until Floyd made him a star, yeah. right? And then Floyd pumped him up to be even bigger than he was at the time. We all knew he was going to be great. But a year later, two years later, Canelo could probably handle that stage that Floyd put him on. Sure. Right? Yeah. And, and he probably beats Floyd, I think. But I mean, he's a bigger is, guy, too. So he makes him cut a lot of weight, puts him on the biggest age, right? So he manipulated the entire game. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? But that well, doesn't mean he's the best. That means that he's the most successful. And that's that's part of the art of war. I mean, if we're going to if you're going to define a win, a win's a win, a win. A win is and a win. Now, fortunately for Floyd, he's got a scenario where he gets to be able to do that. Now, when for you're sure. starting off, when when you're the 20 year old, you don't you're going to take it. You don't have a choice. You got to, you, yeah, you got yeah. to take it. So. Uh, now, at some point, though, Floyd was in that spot and he survived it. I mean, I guess that's if you can go back and you can say he had it. Now, maybe which is, which is controversial on its own. Like he definitely lost to Castillo. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'll leave that for the professionals. To yeah. debate. Right. I'll leave that to the professionals to debate. Um, well, look, let me ask you a little bit. Is your fight career over? It's not over. No, no, I'm fighting December 14th. So this coming December, you got a fight. And here mm -hmm. you are sitting here at 511. Now, um, what's your thought or what's your plan to get ready for a fight? Well, again, I, I train all the time. I'm a martial artist. I'm a martial artist for life. So there's not really so much a get ready. I, I'll, I'll change a few things to get specifically ready for this opponent. Um, I'll up the intensity of the training. You know, I'll, I'll start bringing in more specific partners. Um, Do you know your opponent yet? Yeah. 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 Okay. So you've yeah. got your opponent. Uh, when does the camp start? Like the, the quote camp? Yeah. So that's what I always put a quote around too, because it's not really a camp, right? Like I... Again, I'm, I'm always ready. Um, you know, what I'll have to do is, is like, I'll start usually about 12 weeks out, I'll start cutting weight. Uh, that way I can kind of smoothly, slowly drop it uh, properly. Um, but then again, you know, just maybe four to six weeks out, I'll start pushing a little bit more specificity in the training. And that's about the only difference. I mean, uh, again, it's a, a long journey for me. Uh, it's a marathon and um, you know, he's going to, my opponent's going to show me some things about myself that either are right or wrong in where I'm at on my journey right now. Now, when, when you talk about cutting weight, is this, uh, are you leaving weight class? You stay in your own weight class? No, I stay in weight class. Yeah. Okay. I just, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm coming off an ACL injury. So, uh, put on some weight due to all that and kind of, you know, focused on a few other things in my life and, um, so just a little bit heavier than normal. All right. Well, I also promised the next question, which I'm curious about. Um, your most memor memorial, your biggest, memorable. You, memorable. There you go. <laughs> your most memorable fight. Um, I have two of them. So I get asked this question a lot. So the first one would be Eric Silva in Cincinnati. Um, and that was mainly so memorable because uh, all my friends and family were there. Uh, I was the main event. That was uh, more Family came to that than my family reunion. Um, the day after, when we went to get breakfast, I mean, we had we packed out the the restaurant, and you know, it, it was really crazy. And my kids came in the octagon after with me. 
because that was the main event. So, you know, they were able to come in uh, afterward. Um, See, there you go with your kids again, right? So you, t- you take your most memorial, memorable fight. And uh, the first, one of the first things you go to is because your kids were there. I think that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, so, so that one, and it was a great fight too. You know, end up getting fight of the night. I think it was like number three or four fight of the year. Um, it, it was just a great fight. Um, then, but number two, which would probably be number one if it wasn't for so much family stuff, would be when I fought Robbie Lawler. Um, if I would have won, I would have fought for the title. Um, so that was that's why it was the most memorable because it was the closest that I've got to the title. Um, I thought that I won. So you know, my whether I fought for the title or not was hinged on a judge's decision. So. Well, irrespective of the, the outcome in the ring, is there a fight that you can think of where you just felt that you were on your game as good as you have been thus far? In, in- um, maybe the Robbie Lawler fight. Um, you know, I fought this kid, Jordan Mean, where I probably felt like more in my zone than I have in any other fight where, um, you know, I was just, I probably felt more determined, more in that flow state inside that tunnel that I've, than I've ever felt. Well, let's, let's shift it back here, back to your, your business and, uh, and then we'll wrap it up. I, I, I could spend another two hours probably talking to you about some of this stuff, but um, what's the name of your business again here in Columbus? Uh, Immortal Martial Arts Center. And where's that located? Lewis Center. Lewis Center, Ohio. That's up mm-hmm. in Delaware County, just a little bit mm-hmm. north of Columbus. Yep. Uh, and if somebody wants to look you up online? Uh, ImmortalMartialArtsCenter.com. Okay. Uh, now, I also noticed your shirt. I can't help but ask in Immortal yep. Coffee. So the Immortal Coffee. The Immortal Coffee. Uh, in this is, I, I guess, the one other question I wanted to follow or ask you about was, you know, at some juncture, a fighter, is, their career's got to end. And mm-hmm. you, you got to look for some other way to earn your living or, mm-hmm. or maintain uh, what you're doing. And you've got your gym. Uh, you've got the coffee. And I know I've talked to you about some other business interests uh, and how do you feel about making that transition sort of into the, the real world? Um, it, you know, I'm excited for it. It doesn't really bother me. And that was sort of why I've kind of tried to start these things before my career has ended. Um, you know, I look at it like the gym I see is a local thing, right? Like uh, maybe over time you could become more national, but um, I look at that, the, the coffee is something worldwide. So, um, you know, and I'm passionate about both of them. So, you know, it works out really well for me. Well, I don't think there's any secret to your success. You're a hard worker, you're a smart guy, and you've got the right mental attitude about it. And I think that carries forward not only with uh, your fighting in the ring, but also in the business world. And I know I've talked to you a lot about that. So Yeah, I try to. And you know, just like in the ring, the, the business is no different. The hardest part of the whole thing is the... Um, you know, the mental aspect, I mean, business, the difference in the business is, uh, you know, in a fight, I mean, I'm really nervous for, you know, you know, a day or so in maybe a couple hours, really. Whereas in business, I mean, you're nervous 24 hours a day. No, I got you. There's a lot of stress. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you know, you could get that call at two in the morning and, and but yeah. well, you've got to deal with both though, right? So you've got to prepare for the fight and run the business and my hat tip my hat to you, man. It's not, look, I run a business. I run a small business and not, you're responsible for everything. You're mm-hmm. doing that plus preparing for a fight. Well, fortunately, I have, I have good people around me that, uh, that help out a lot with that. And the gym business really, you know, is uh, it, even though there's, there's a lot to it, it's pretty straightforward. You know, it's not probably not as complicated, I think, as most other businesses. And 
basically what I what I've learned over the year of doing my business is just how to delegate and that, that's nothing an important goes part farther. of it. Uh, your next fight, who's your opponent? Uh, ben Saunders, December fourteenth. December fourteenth. Where's it going to happen? Um, Las Vegas. All right. Uh, well, thank you for coming. <laughs> well, thank for coming in, Matt. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, and I tell you what, I'm going to check out the gym with my kids. Please and, do. Uh, uh, everybody else can too. So I appreciate it. Well, this has been uh, another awesome episode of Lawyer Talk with Matt Brown, uh, and we will uh, we'll be back for more next time.